0: Good morning, Sovereign Grace. Awesome to be here again. We're going to be uh, back in Chapter 8 of the Gospel of John. So if you have your Bibles, please. Chapter 8, Gospel of John. We're going to be working with verses 12 through 30. I am going to read, then I'll pray, and then uh, we'll look at it, okay? Starting with verse 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, You are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, Even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I'm going but you you do not know where I come from or where I am going you judge according to according to the flesh I judge no one yet even if I do judge my judgment is true for it is not I alone who judge but I and the father who sent me in your law it is written that the testimony of two men is true because his hour had not yet come. So he said to them again, I am going away, and you will seek me, and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So Jesus, so the Jew said, will he kill himself? Since he says, where I am going, you cannot come. He said to them, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. So they said to Him, Who are you? Jesus said to them, Just what I have been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. Let him who has ears hear the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for your testimony in us about Your eternal redeeming Savior, Son. Father, I pray that You would help my feeble attempt to convey the sacred truth of Your Holy Scriptures. I pray that You would guard my mouth from error and that You would guard their hearts. Pray that this word will fall in fertile soil, ready to receive the word of God and bear fruit. And only you can cause that to come about. So come, come, Lord. Come and glorify yourself as your word goes forth. It is in Jesus' beautiful, holy name that I pray. Amen. Amen. I have a confession to make. And that is that whenever I interact with culture, both Christian and secular, in testifying about Jesus, in witnessing of Jesus, I am always tempted to think that I'm too radical. That I'm too hardcore and I should really tone it down a bit. I mean, I'm always getting in trouble with people because of the things I say about Jesus. And I really should relax. And trust me, people have told me that I should relax, and that I am too radical, that I am too hardcore. And then, I opened the New Testament, and I realized that I'm not nearly hardcore enough, not hardcore at all. I mean, what do you do with the words of Jesus? The thing with preaching through the Gospels is that you just have to deal with Jesus, when he opens his mouth to the religious leaders of the day, to the Jewish national leadership, and he'll say, you will die in your sins. That's how he testifies of himself. When he'll say, you know why my testimony is true? Because I come from heaven, and I'm going back to heaven. You people have no idea. You people just have absolutely no idea of the heavenly things you're carnal you're of the flesh you're of this world and yet when we witness of Jesus it's not necessarily how we go about it now I'm not saying we should add offense to the offense of the gospel but we should definitely keep the content of the gospel protected there's a difference between being arrogant and being regarded as arrogant. As Christians, we are called to suffer injustice. And if there's one thing you can count on, no matter how nice and lovely you are, if you preach the gospel, you'll be misinterpreted, you'll be persecuted, you'll be deleted from, friend, from people's friend list on Facebook. <laughs> You'll be ostracized and ridiculed. Things will happen. While you do not want to add offense to the gospel, you want to keep the offense of the gospel. That is how Jesus testifies about himself. That is how Jesus witnesses about himself. And that should be a model for us to witness about Jesus. To tell the world, Of the things we have come to believe. The things we have heard from the Father. The things that the Spirit testifies in our spirit, with our spirit, about the Son of God. Who is the only one who can rescue people from their sins. Who can save people from the holy, just wrath of God. This is what this message is about. About Jesus Christ the eternal Son of God, and His testimony about Himself. Let's look at His testimony. He had just said in verse 12 that He is the light of the world. The light of the world, as we saw in the last sermon, is an allusion to man's worst predicament, which is sin. Since Adam and Eve rebelled against God, and ate the fruit, and wanted to be God, and followed the old serpent. We all have been born in a state of spiritual darkness, and we cannot see, or perceive, or discern the things of God, the spiritual things, because they are not discerned by the flesh. They are discerned by the Spirit. We are born in alienation from God, Separated from God. Unable to desire God or the things pertaining to His salvation. All of us, sons of Adam, are born with a problem. And that problem is called God. If you are His, He's everything to you. If you're not, He's the worst enemy you can have. And Jesus Christ, by saying He is the light of the world, He is claiming that He is the remedy. He is the rescue. He is the solution for the problem of spiritual darkness that in which we all are born. He is saying that He is the problem for spiritual blindness. Second letter of St. Paul to Corinthians chapter 4 says that the God of this world has blinded the eyes of the unbelievers so that they could not see. Jesus Christ is the only one who can change that. That's what he's saying by saying, He is the light of the world. He's claiming to be God. The feast of the tabernacles, part of it is that they would celebrate the provision and guidance of the Lord himself when the Lord in the desert guided them through a pillar of fire, bringing them light. And Jesus takes that symbolism and makes it about Himself, as we saw last time. On the other hand, when He says, I am the light of the world, He who follows me will not walk in darkness. There will be a transformation of life. You were something. Now you have been transformed because you believe in the Son of God. Because you believe in Jesus Christ. You will not walk in that darkness anymore. You will not bear the the works of the flesh anymore. But you will have the light of life. Light always prevails against darkness. Whereas we do still struggle with sin, the light of Christ abiding in us always prevails against darkness and his faithful to keep us repenting again and again and not letting us go finally away from him so the lord testifies about himself and they do not like it because it's a heavy testimony it's a big statement jesus makes a lot of them and he these guys they don't like it first thing they do is they appeal to the law in deuteronomy Chapter 19, verse 15, the law will say that a single witness shall not suffice against a person for any crime or for any wrong in connection with any offense that he has committed. So in a court of law, testimony of one person bringing a charge against someone, it's just not enough. They will not start a legal process if there's only one person bad-mouthing somebody else. If this really happened, you've got to be able to produce another witness. That's in a court of law. This is not a court of law. This is not a court of law. They, they put themselves in a position where they think they're judging the Son of God, the eternal judge who has judgment in His hands. And they think, they are judging the judge of all earth. That's just one small example of how crazy, how insane this blindness is. This spiritual situation in which all of us find ourselves apart from Jesus. That's absolutely crazy. It does not make any sense. It's ironic that they, they think they can judge the judge of all earth. But all they're saying is that if this is a court of law, they're putting themselves in a a position where they think they're judging uh, Christ. See that Jesus does not, he does not break the law. He does not say the law is wrong. But in verse 14, he goes on to say that his testimony is true. And here's the deal. He gives us a reason for why his testimony is true. Let's take a look at verse 14. He'll say, it is because or for... Even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. Why, Jesus? Because, for I know where I came from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. Jesus Christ has come to this earth from heavenly eternal paths, from heavenly eternity. He wasn't created. His testimony is true because of His divine origin. No one can testify of the Father but Jesus. Because Jesus has seen Him. Jesus has lived throughout eternity past. In perfect harmony with His Father in perfect love and community and agreement and relationship with His Father. Jesus is talking about the heavenly things, the spiritual things that these people cannot discern because they are fleshly, they are carnal, they are of this world. And Jesus has just told them, you have no idea what I'm talking about? Because your mind is concerned with the things of this world. You do not know God. They don't have any knowledge of heavenly things. You see how it is possible to know Scripture and have Scripture memorized, be a teacher, and quote Scriptures backwards if you have to and know the original languages and be a really good exegete and be lost? Be completely lost and not know God? Unless Jesus Christ chooses to reveal the Father to you, you will die in your sins. And he will go on to say that. Now, they freely reject Jesus. There is no external coercion on them. They are doing what they desire to do. Their highest desire is to deny Jesus, to reject the very Son of God. Now, Jesus Christ goes on to set a couple of contrasts. Verse 15, let's go. He will say, You judge according to the flesh. So He first said, I come from heaven, I'm going back to heaven. You're not. Now he'll say, you judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. That is, I judge no one according to the flesh. For he'll just go ahead and say that he, he does judge. So what he's saying is, it's a, a, an elliptical phrase, where he's saying, you judge according to the flesh. I judge no one this way. Because of the previous verse, because I come from heaven. I do not judge people Carnally, or fleshly or according to appearances and uh, if you flip maybe one page back in chapter 7 verse 24 he actually commends us to do the same when he says do not judge by appearances but judge with right judgment so here Jesus Christ is just executing what he has commended people to do a chapter before a few verses before in this story. Jesus judges. According to righteous standards. Not according to the flesh. Why? Because he doesn't judge alone. It is not I alone who judge. But I and the father who sent me. So Jesus once again states his perfect unity of mind with the Father, his equality with the Father. Now, this is somewhat of an encrypted way of talking. Cause when we look when we look at the scriptures, in light of the whole New Testament, in light of the whole story of the Bible, we can clearly perceive that he's talking about God the Father and that he's alluding to the Trinity. Now if you put yourself in, in these people's shoes, it is a little encrypted. Who is? What are you talking about? The father, the father. Now, although in chapter 5, they do understand that when Jesus, when Jesus keeps saying that he is the son of God, he is making himself equal with God, and they desire to kill him because he was making himself equal with God. It's chapter 5, verse 18. Here, the evangelists will tell us that they did not understand. They had no clue of what Jesus was talking about. The Father, they'll even go ahead and ask, where is your Father? So Jesus here, because of His harmony, unity of mind with the Father, unity of work with the Father, He judges things very differently than the flesh judges things. And He'll state that, I'm one with the Father and I judge differently. You guys judge according to appearance. That's not how I judge. Therefore, my judgment is true. They don't believe it. They reject the Son of God. They reject His judgment. They reject His uh, witness about Himself. Verses 17 and 18. Jesus says, In your law it is written that the testimony of two men is true. I am the one who bears witness about Myself. And the Father who sent Me bears witness about Me. Now, this is heavy. When He says that, Jesus, that the Father Himself bears witness about Him, and these people, they, they don't believe Him? It's because they don't have the witness of the Father. They do not have the witness of the Father. Now, when God Himself opens His holy mouth from heaven to testify, to witness of someone, we do not need any Body else's testimony. If God has said it, it's settled. That's the end of the story. Whether any man in history had ever testified about Jesus Christ or not, it's totally irrelevant to the fact that Jesus Christ is the eternal Son of God, Redeemer, Savior of the world. God does not need corroboration from fallen human beings. God does not need corroboration to His Word, not even from angels. God has said that Jesus Christ is His Son. Now, the testimony of the Father, the Scripture will say in context, it will say that it is the the, the internal testimony of the Spirit. In chapter 5, we dealt with it when Jesus presents His four witnesses. One of them is the Scriptures, which is right after he talks about the testimony of the Father. So while this, this scriptures is, uh, the Scripture is a, a testimony from the Father, I think what Jesus is saying about his testimony is really the internal word of the Spirit. Let's take a look at, at, at um, Romans chapter 8, verse 7. Verse 16, let's see. Verse 16. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now, if you have your Bibles, let's go to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. Verse 10. The Apostle John says this Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony where? In himself. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony of God in himself. The internal testimony. Of God, you believe that He is the Son of God is because God Himself has borne witness to you, and now you can't help it. You can't help it but believe that Jesus Christ is the eternal Son of God, the one who left heaven in His glory and came to earth to live perfectly in our place, who gives us His righteousness and declares us who believe in Him not only not guilty, but positively righteous because of His righteousness in the courts of heaven. And now we're free to worship Him. And you cannot help but to believe His testimony and to love Him. This is the testimony of the Father that believers carry, believers have. Once you have that testimony, once you have that witness... It is not necessary for anybody else to come and testify about Christ anymore for your salvation. The testimony of the Father believers have in their hearts. Amen. All right, verse nineteen. Now you can notice that Jesus started Now he's going to start uh, tightening the screws a little bit more and squeeze them a little bit more. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? And Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. Jesus Christ has just told the Jewish national leadership, the religious leaders of the day, the PhDs of their day, who boasted about knowing God, who taught people, saying that they knew God. These guys that claim to represent God on earth, to be the special people, the the sons of Abraham, Jesus has just told them, you do not know God. You don't know Him. You know how I know this? Because you don't know me. I am testifying to you about God and you have no clue. You're rejecting my witness about myself. Therefore, I know that you don't know God. The greatest test of someone knowing God is if they love Jesus. There are millions, maybe billions of people on this earth claiming they know God. Right now, today, claiming that they know God and they do not have the Son of God. The epistle of John will say that if you do not have the Son, you do not have the Father. If you say that you know God and you do not love the Lord Jesus Christ, you have just made God Himself a liar. Because you reject His Son. I mean, hello? When Jesus was baptized, God said from heaven, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Some people actually wrote it off as being a thunder. I mean, come on. It's a long phrase. Clouds don't talk. It's a pretty long phrase. You want to talk about spiritual darkness? Trying to justify things at any, at all, in in all costs? Really? A thunder? You reject the Son, you reject the Father. You have the Son, you have the Father. You know Jesus, you know the Father. And they'll say, where is your Father? Now, because the the evangelists will say that they didn't understand that Jesus was talking about God the Father, we can interpret this as these people going, yeah, Joseph? Who is he? Who cares that he sent you? He's a carpenter. Who cares about what he has to say? We are the doctors of the law. We teach this. We have the Torah memorized. Your father knows nothing. Or are you talking about somebody else? Because he being your father is pretty debatable. Now can you imagine rejecting the testimony of Christ... Suggesting he is an illegitimate child. Rejecting the very son of God. Testifying about God. And in the process ridiculing him. Now I urge you. Whether there is any, any doubt in your heart. Or whether you are witnessing to someone who you think is lost. I beg you or I beg you to do this. Do not be quick to call the Son of God a liar. Do not be quick to judge the witness of Jesus to be false witness. When you do not believe that Jesus Christ has the power, the means, and has done it, has done everything needed to save you or somebody else. In essence, that is what you are doing. When you're witnessing to someone and they say that they are fine because they haven't killed someone. Because they're they a good citizen, a good dad, or they recycle. That's, that's what, in essence, that's exactly what they're doing. They are rejecting the testimony of Christ. The testimony of the Father about His Son. And they are mocking God. Do not be quick. I know there is something called the dark knot of the soul. But I plead with you. Do not be quick to judge the Son of God a liar. To judge the Son of God. to To bear false witness. These people claim to know God and they they can't recognize God when God is sitting in front of them telling them who he is and they cannot recognize his voice or his talk that's that's ironic now when Jesus says these things you know namely you're not saved you don't know God that upsets people this was tremendously frustrating to him to them because the next verse we see that they didn't kill Jesus because his hour had not come yet in verse 20 now they have they this this killing talk has started in verse 5 it never really stopped you know and it's just going to intensify i mean chapter 7 and 8 is filled with references to plots of of arresting and killing jesus but god is sovereign he's overseeing the whole thing it's not time for jesus to die yet why didn't he die john has the answer because his hour has not come yet. And that's that. And that should be comfort for us, that even when the world is crumbling around us, everything is happening in God's time. God has not lost control of things. He has not stopped being sovereign. He has not stopped orchestrating everything, every event in human history. No matter how feeble your faith might feel, no matter how dark it may seem, God is in control. That is just not a a phrase we slap on mugs. That is a reality in the life of the believer. You can trust a future you don't know to a God you do know. You can be confident that God will neither leave you nor forsake you, for that is the testimony that He bears. That is what He has said. He has given His own Son. He has not spared His own Son. And He, ju- he justifies the wicked. He justifies sinners through His Son. And we have the audacity of thinking... Or doubting that he cannot get us through next uh, Friday? That's pretty audacious. So whatever you got to do, don't be quick to to dismiss his testimony. Because he has everything in control. And Jesus did not get killed, even though they have been trying. Jesus did, did not get killed because his time had not arrived yet now at this point verse 21 and on Jesus the the statements that Jesus is going to make they kind of mirror what he already has said he's just gonna say it in, in a different way but now he starts being a lot more clear and a lot more direct he will say you will die in your sin it doesn't get any clearer than that now in your own personal evangelism in your own personal witness of Christ When was the last time you said to somebody, listen, this is serious. You will die in your sin if you do not believe what I am telling you. Now, you will be regarded as a jerk, and hopefully it's unjustly. The gospel will offend people. Because the gospel puts us naked in front of God. There is no hypocrisy. There is no cover-ups. There is no possessions. There is no social status position. There is nothing. There is just a sinner stripped away of everything he counts worthy. And now the sinner has to give an account to God of everything he does and feels and thinks and approves. And the gospel of Christ puts us in a position where we believe, the redeeming power of Jesus Christ, or we are condemned by the law of God. We are condemned, because, condemned before the just judge forever. And there is no talking my way out of it through my cleverness or anything else. Like I said, position, status, hierarchy... You will die in your sin, and if you bear in mind who Jesus is talking to, it's a loud statement. I bet it was extremely frustrating to them. Now, in their minds, they don't even have they don't have a they don't even have a category for taking anything Jesus is saying seriously. They have no idea whatsoever. And that is the same with our testimony. When we are preaching to people, when we are witnessing to people. We talked a little bit about this on, on Wednesday at home group. That when you are witnessing to lost people, when you are telling people the good news of the gospel, you have to bear in mind that there is already a war between them and God. There is already hostility between them and God. And that is not your fault. But you might have to take a bullet. Because it is war. James will say in chapter 4 of his letter, you say, Do you not know that the friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. In a state of spiritual darkness and blindness, we live in enmity with God. Romans 8, 7 says, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. Then it goes on to say that for it does not submit to the law of God. Actually, it cannot submit to the law of God. There is already a war and if if you are presenting the peace terms, the terms of peace that the king has offered, which is, Believe in the Son. If you want to come from darkness to light, if you want to come from death to life, from damnation to salvation, from hell to heaven, you have to believe my Son. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You will be misinterpreted, you will be accused, you will be attacked. And that's fine. The Christian is called to suffer. Know that. And let that crush the fear of man. Every ounce of it in your heart. Every ounce of the fear of man has to be crushed by this truth. Hey, it's already going to happen. What's the choice? You're going to butcher the gospel? It's going to smooth out the edges so it doesn't sting people? You know, honestly, you better not even preach it. You know, don't create a mess for other evangelists to to try to clean, to clean up after you. You preach a gospel that is not bloody, that is not holy, that doesn't talk about the justice of God. Honestly, there's no gospel at all. It just creates more trouble because people will think they're fine, because they made some kind of profession or because they will acknowledge intellectually that Jesus is the Son of God and they think they're okay. Okay. And it's really hard to convince them that they're not because someone assured them that they're fine even though they don't obey the law of God, they don't love Jesus, they show no signs of anything in their lives of any spiritual discernment at all. But they acknowledge, you know, because someone told them half of the gospel. You know, I, I am convinced that half gospels you know, have sent an unnumbered a, a, a uh, uh, amount of people to condemnation because they had no idea they have been they had been told that they were fine with God. So, if it is to butcher the gospel, better not preach it at all. It just creates more trouble. It's not loving at all. It's vicious to people. And if you have to sacrifice relationships because you're honest with someone, because you lovingly, present, as an ambassador, present the truth of the gospel, that, that relationship may have to be sacrificed. You, you will lose family, friends. Can you imagine? Mom, dad, unless you believe this, you will die in your sin. I get it. It's it, It's difficult. And you might end up being the black sheep of the family. It's okay. It's okay. Your Father in Heaven loves you. In your Father in Heaven, you can find fulfillment that no other relationship on earth can give you. Because He can be your Father that you don't have. He can be the husband you don't have. He can be the comfort you don't have, the circumstances don't bring, Don't bring. it can be everything to you. Nothing else can bring you the satisfaction and the joy and the fulfillment that God Himself can bring you. That is why He created us. Not only in this life, but for the life to come, Jesus Christ has promised that in Him there is abundance of life. He has come to give life abundantly. And all of us who believe in Him will enjoy this abundant life. The life of the world to come, starting here and throughout eternity, enjoying God forever. They assume Jesus is going to kill Himself. Now, remember I said that in their minds there is no space at all. There is no room for the possibility of Jesus teaching them something, of taking Jesus seriously. There is a belief Uh, uh, Scripture does not say anything about that, but Scripture has never said that if you commit suicide, there's no salvation for you. Like somehow Jesus did not atone for that one particular sin. Okay, Scripture does not say that anywhere, neither Old nor New Testament. But there was this common belief about, about suicide, that if you kill yourself, you end up in hell, and that's that. Everybody who commits suicide will go to hell. So when he's saying... Where I go, you cannot come. They're thinking, oh, we're going to heaven. He's going to he- Is he going to kill himself? There isn't even a possibility. It, and the man has just said, you will die in your sin. There's, there's no possibility of interpreting him as if he's someone serious. Remember, we just talked about hostility and enmity and war, it's how it shows itself. Oh, he's going to kill himself. He's going to hell. Yeah, there we cannot go. Yeah, I know. We cannot go. That's what they're wondering. If Jesus is going to kill himself. And the irony is that Jesus is stating the exact opposite. What Jesus is saying is, I come, I'm coming to heaven. And You're not. And you will not because you will die in your sin. I'm going Back to heaven. And you are not. Is he going to kill himself? I mean, Jesus could have said, no, you're going to do it for me. But he didn't. Didn't give them systematic theology. Straight out said, you're not saved. i said it three times already in this text. You are not saved. You are not going to heaven. I don't care how about your genealogy, I don't care if you can quote the, 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 the Torah backwards, I don't care if you have it all memorized, or if you keep the Sabbath, you do not know God, you are not saved, you are not coming to heaven. You will die in your sin. But, great word in the Bible, great word in the Bible, that whenever horrible news come. The gospel is always good news. The gospel is the good news. Because of the bad news, the gospel news. The good news are so great. That that is why they're good. Without the bad news, the good news are no news at all. If you don't present the law of God and sin and depravity and enmity with God, if you don't present the condemnation that the law brings, and you say Jesus loves you, people's response is always positive. They're like, That's great. I love me. Jesus loves me. We all love me. That's awesome. Right? I love myself too. That's great. He has a wonderful plan for your life. Me too. (laughs) I mean, who, who doesn't want that? I have a great plan for my life. Everybody wants that. Now, it is the conversation might take a slightly different direction if you say, you will die in your sin. You're not going to heaven. That might go a different way. But because that is true, the good news of verses 23 and 24, unless you believe, you will die in your sin. But if you believe, you you, you don't. Let's read it. If you believe, you won't go. He said to them, You are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins. Good news now. For unless you believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. He who, Jesus, who are you? And we can see a lot of things but Jesus has been saying he'll say now who am I? What I've been telling you since the beginning. Chapter 3 talking to Nicodemus he's the son of man who will be lifted up. And all who look at him will be saved. It's an allusion to the old testament. He will be lifted up to save His people. All those who believe in Him will be saved. In chapter 4, He is the Messiah. Remember how He says to the, to the, the woman by the well? When she says, the Messiah will come, and then all these theology stuff is going to be all sorted out. He says, He who is talking to you right now is He. Meaning, I am the Messiah. I have come. In chapter 5, He is the life-giving Son of God. he's the author of life. Chapter 6 is the bread of life. Chapter 7, He is the one who gives you rivers of living water. If you believe in Him, out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. This is what He has been preaching since the beginning. This has been the testimony of Jesus about Himself. So unless you believe this, you will die in your sins. Now, towards the end, last four verses of our our text, Jesus says, you know what, guys? There's a lot that I can talk about, you guys. There's a lot I can say, trust me. There's a lot I can judge. But you know what the deal is? The fact is that you do not know God. You have been hiding behind your religion. And you think you have God owing you something. You think you have put God in your debt, Because you're such a good boy, because you obey the law, because you tithe and you lift your hands up in the square and and for men to see you, and you receive the praise of one another, but God is not being fooled by it. And I hope you see the parallel of us church people who claim to know God, who are very susceptible to, to do this too. To claim to know God, not knowing God at all. Trusting that we have scripture memorized. I have been going to church since I was born. Unless you believe in the Son of God, no matter how much knowledge you have, head knowledge you have, you will die in your sins need the Son of God to save you. You need to believe in Jesus Christ. There's all kinds of people who can memorize Scripture. You're not saved by anything you do. Jesus Christ has done. Jesus Christ has done it all. And He will not be, glo- he will not be robbed of His glory, of being the only one, the only mediator between God and man. The Man Christ Jesus, He will not be robbed of the glory of being the only Redeemer. He just will not. And Jesus Christ doesn't go in detail about all of their sins, for it probably would take whole eternity to talk about their sins. But Jesus just testifies about Himself, of who He is, and unless they believe in Him, they will perish. On verse twenty-eight, Jesus makes a terrifying prediction. And I would love for you to never forget this. Jesus says that you will look for me. Let's just read it. When you have lifted up the Son of Man, that that is a reference to the Old Testament in the desert when, when the serpent was lifted up and everybody who looked at the serpent would not die. Uh, that Jesus uses in, in chapter 3 in his talk with Nicodemus. So When you have lifted up the Son of Man, which is an allusion to Him being lifted up on the cross, being killed by sinful men. Another way to read this is When you have killed me, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. Is that going to be too late? That after killing Jesus, they will have the realization that they have killed the very Son of God. Now, I wonder if they're going to seek repentance, but there will be no place found for it in their hearts. These people will kill the Son of God. Jesus is predicting what they're going to do to him, and he's saying, You will know. You will know that I am He. I cannot help but remember Lazarus Lazarus and the rich man when Lazarus dies and he goes to heaven. And the rich man dies and then he finds out that everything was true. That's when he finally realized that everything was true. And that was too late. That was way too late. Every person who rejects the testimony of Christ... Will in the future find out that it is true. I pray to God that you will not come to find that out too late when it's too late. Do whatever you have to do. Make sure, make sure that you make your calling and election sure so that you won't have to, in despair, find out. When it's too late. When you claim, Father Abraham, please. And the answer will be a resounding no. Everyone will know. That's, that's terrifying. Hopefully, all of us and those who come across our, our path will find out before they're on the other side of eternity. We believe the testimony of Jesus because we know that the Father has never left Him. For He will never leave us. Please don't be part of those who believed when it was too late already. But, verse 30, verse 30, join them. Join those who, as Jesus was teaching them all these things, many, believed in Him. As He was saying these things, many believed in Him. Know that as I stand here and tell you these things about the Son of God, know that it's not me, but He. It is Jesus Christ. It is the Father testifying. It is Jesus Christ sending His Word forth. That He is the only one who can solve the problem of sin. Who can solve man's worst, deepest predicament. It is the Son of God. Believe in Him. Amen? Alright. Glory to God. Let's pray and then let's sing and worship God. Father, I thank You for Your Word. Thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you for sending your Son, the light of the world, and that we who believe in Him will not walk in darkness anymore. Not because of anything we have done, but because you, Lord Jesus, have decided to reveal the Father to us. So I pray that as we believe this and worship you, I pray that you, Strengthen our faith and, and gives, give us a more clear vision of who you are and let us, let us have a passion for you and your work and delight in you daily and live in the power of your spirit. And it is for the glory of Christ that I pray and thank you. Amen. Amen. Amen.